in the structure of the family, like the, the father is, is kind of like a megaphone of God's action or of the enemy's action. And he can amplify it or he can, you know, um, choose not to uh, allow that to pass through. So I was working at home the other day and I got really confused because my printer started playing music. And then I just realized the paper was jamming. That one's cute. I like that one. Hey, everyone. Welcome. It is episode 127. So good to be back with you. If this is your first time listening, please feel free to rate and review this podcast. Share it with your friends and family. Uh, Wherever you're listening to it, leave that rating and review because that helps other people find it. But the highest compliment you can pay us is to recommend this. That's how the podcast gets out and people hear about it. And so word of mouth is such a blessing. So thank you for sharing it. If you do it on social media, please make sure to tag us at Mana Food for Thought on Instagram or at Mana F, the number four T on Twitter. And visit our website, manafoodforthought.com, all spelled out. And you can see all of our content and you can also uh, connect to us on social media, email us, leave comments on episodes and blogs, see all of our Tuesday blog content. And you can become a financial sponsor for as little as $1 a month. Become a patron, and patrons get perks. And so thank you for listening. Thank you, patrons. And thank you for joining me for this exciting episode. So without further ado, let's get into joy, junk, and Jesus. My joy this week is um, last Tuesday we got to have a date night with uh, Tony and Jenna. Uh, You may remember Jenna as my former co-host, still current best friend. And uh, she is very pregnant with baby number three. And so it was very nice for us to um, be able to arrange for us to have our collective four children, not collective as in we have them together, but collectively among us, we have four children. Just wanted to be clear, Um, get them babysat and watched so that we can all, we could all like go out together and have, um, just have an enjoyable time and and a meal together. So um, we have a standing kind of, um, you know, weekly dinner at each other's homes, but it was nice to just actually be able to have a conversation and not deal with like screaming children. So that was amazing. And my other joy is like one of my very dearest best friends in the entire world, Stephanie, is uh, in the state of California. She lives in New Mexico. And I don't know if she listens to this, but she I get to see her in like two days. So this will have already happened by the time you hear this. But she got in California yesterday and she texted me where she was and she was four miles away from me. And I almost just started crying. Like I was just so excited that she's in the same state as me. So yeah, that I haven't seen her in person in like, gosh, what has it been? Maybe six or seven years. Yeah, crazy. So what a gift. Um, so I know it's going to be even more joyful when I get to see her and her family and her kiddos, her husband, and it's just going to be really great. So I'm excited for us to get together. So um, my junk is that I am very, very tired because I'm pre-recording the next episode and because next week I'll be out of town at a multitude of different things and traveling back and forth with family, without family, with friends. All these different things are happening over the next like couple weeks. And so I'm very tired, doubling up on my work this week to get it done so I can be free next week. And so, yeah. And then I started a uh, program for spiritual directors for formation. And uh, it's a hybrid offer. So I chose the online so I can be more connected to my kids and my wife at home if they need me for anything and not have to commute. It's not far, but it just, it's, it was a better solution. But that involves being on Zoom for like six hours on uh, Saturday, this last Saturday. And uh, yeah, I uh, hate Zoom. 
So there were some good little nuggets from the, the course, but I can also tell that there's going to be kind of a lot of fluff, you know, as there is with most things. And I'm a very fast learner. Just tell me the key points, what I need to know, like, let's go. And this is clearly not structured that way. So, but it's just one Saturday a month um, for 10 months for three years. So 30 classes. So one down, 29 to go. So there we go. Um, and then my Jesus moment is Bible study last night. And I know I always say it's Bible study, but man, it was fire last night. We had like, we had the parable of the uh, dishonest steward in Luke chapter 16. And that is like what Bible study is built for is these very difficult to interpret and understand passages that we can just unlock and people can just be like, whoa, like I get it. And you could just see that happening. And I was like watching it happening too and being part of it. And Holy Spirit was like saying and revealing things that I was like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. So it was just like such a graced, really awesome night at Bible study. So very grateful for that. Um, thinking about the episode this week, you know, um, Hannah's been having some, I've been telling you, transition with preschool. She's doing pretty good, but it has posed a lot of challenges for me personally, and I think my wife too, uh, in terms of just like parenting. You know, it, when these struggles come up with your kids, I think any parent can attest to this. You just, it can be very easy to just turn inward and be like, did I do something wrong? Like, is my kid not developing how they should maturing being socialized as they should like is there something wrong here did I mess them up and you know it really started getting me thinking about like parenting and what is the I don't know Catholic lens through which we view parenting and are there certain Catholic ways or tips that we can uh, parent through the lens of or just like I don't know a Catholic framework for the uh, the family and I know there's a, th a thousand things I could say about that you know um, obviously the center of all that we want to do as a family is, you know, pursue the Lord. You know, that needs to be the utmost priority. So your job as a parent, like you've been entrusted this child from God to be a steward of them, to like get them to heaven. And so that's a huge responsibility. And so like living liturgically at home, bringing the faith into the home, prayer into the home, letting that be modeled from the parents because more is caught than taught. They're going to do us. They're going to do what you do, not always what you say. And so modeling that is super important. So I wanted to do what I've been doing is just kind of do like a survey of like some, some of the passages in scripture that talk about this, riff off them a little bit, and then kind of, you know, bring it all together. So um, you're going to hear a lot of like family structure. Family structure has a certain like order. It all involves like everyone sacrificing for the other because that's what love is. And, um, and also the value of discipline and passing on the faith. Okay, so uh, one of the biggest places we see this is in Ephesians chapter six. Um, children, uh, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment <clears throat> with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life on earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up with the training and instruction of the Lord. And I think that last one, especially that it's you know given to fathers. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. I know that I can tend to have the, the bad habit of when my children are responding very emotionally or irrationally or not using like their words and communicating in the way that I would like as a fully formed grown adult <laughs> who is forgetting the fact that they are four and two, um, I can tend to respond more with like frustration, irritability, anger, being very short, snapping commands, things like that. And that's never fruitful. You know, it doesn't, that doesn't work. It never, you know never works out. So that's something to be aware of. Like, how am I approaching my children in those moments? Like, am I approaching them with compassion? 
but also recognizing there needs to be honor, respect. Um, you know, I have a role and, um, I'm not just, my role is not just like, um, getting everyone to conform or be normal or act a certain way. Like I'm actually here placed in the lives of these children for a purpose. Like I have something to do for them and no one else can do it better than me for my kids. Like God gave me the gifts I would need to parent my children as best as I could with his help. So, um, Colossians chapter three, um, and we see language like this, uh, in Ephesians five as well, but wives be support subordinate to your husbands as is proper in the Lord. Husbands love your wives and avoid any bitterness toward them. Children obey your parents and everything for this is pleasing to the Lord. Fathers again, here we go. Fathers do not provoke your children so they may not become discouraged. Okay. And I know you heard that wives be subordinate to your husbands. I want to read where that comes from also in Ephesians five. Um, or no, Ephesians 5 says it, but then Ephesians 5 helps kind of explain how we're meant to understand that. So it then says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loves the church and handed himself over for her to sanctify her, cleansing her by the bath of water with the word, that he might present himself to the church in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she may be holy and without blemish. So also husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So when you hear that phrase, like wives be subordinate to your husbands, you may think, wow, that's super antiquated and like old school, Matt. Like are you really, um, you know, putting this forth? And if you understand it in its proper context, like, yes, that should be like what every woman wants because to be subordinate means or to submit means to be under the order of or under the mission of the husband. And as Ephesians 5 says, the mission of the husband is to sacrificially love his wife. And so what this means is, wives, be under that mission. Allow your husband to sacrificially love you and to serve you. Like, let that be the dynamic of your family, that he is the one who is modeling Christ to the rest of you, sacrificing, allowing himself to serve sacrificially. And yes, everyone in the family is called to serve sacrificially. But I think in the structure of the family, the way that God kind of ordered the family, I do think there's an intention. He created Adam first, gave him dominion over everything, in, uh, over the garden and everything in it. And that included Eve. And he needed to protect, but also have dominion. And so that doesn't mean that he would dominate her in a way that is um, like abusive or unequal. But I think it does mean that grace can funnel into the family through the father, but also temptation and attack from the evil one best comes into the family through the father. And if the father is spiritually equipped and against attack, and if he is sacrificially loving his family, then that is going to like pay off in huge amounts spiritually for the family. And so I think that's a, it's a big wake up call for me that like in the moments where I feel very short and frustrated, or I turn to different unhelpful things to kind of cope with my frustration, like lacking in my disciplines with food or exercise or my work and becoming kind of lazy or complacent or not being present or being too much on my phone, being irritable, et cetera. Like those are all things that I can struggle with in moments where I'm, I'm kind of losing sight of the fact that like I'm the window into my family in terms of um, how grace or sin or attack or blessing can enter. It doesn't mean that God can't bless your family if, you know, the father isn't allowing it or isn't there. But I think in the structure of the family, like the, the father is, is kind of like a megaphone of God's action or of the enemy's action. And he can amplify it or he can, you know, um, choose not to uh, allow that to pass through the speaker, you know, uh, and, and be broadcast to the family. I think 
the father has a particular role where he can amplify the blessing or he can inhibit it or prevent it. And so that's a huge responsibility. So recognizing first, like this isn't just about like what children and wives are expected to do. This is about what me as a father, like what I'm expected to do and as a parent. And there's some other good nuggets in here from, from Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates the child, but whoever loves will apply discipline. Now, again, that is not meant to be interpreted in our modern context for, you know, as a, a ex- explanation or permission for abusive action. But it's um, using a ancient term to then be interpreted in a modern context that, like, if you love your children, you're going to discipline them. You're going to teach them the truth. You're going to teach them rules because rules set us free, just like in games. Like, you can't play the game well if you don't know the rules. And, in fact, if you don't know the rules, you can hurt yourself. You can miss the point of the game. And the life is, is also the same way. Like, there are certain uh, moral laws and innate natural things that we need to know and be taught uh, in order to live well. And if we don't learn those rules or those boundaries – we will not be free. We can get hurt. We won't understand the point of life. We may even feel like life isn't worth living. And so it's a responsibility of parents and family and those in that kind of tribe that you surround your children with um, to really discipline, but love them also sacrificially, have compassion, like all of this together. Uh, Hebrews 12, 11 says, at the time, all discipline seems a cause not for joy, but for pain. Yet later, it brings the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who are trained by it. So yeah, we don't like discipline, and children may not often respond initially that well to discipline, but we need to do it in a way that, you know, honors their autonomy and helps them develop well and not in a, in a um, unhelpful way or in a way that might create some kind of woundedness in their idea of, of you know, security, family, parenthood, of God, because children often apply you know, how they see God based on how they saw their parents, you know, and so, but recognizing, like, there's still certain things that we need to ask our children to do, or that we need to um, have in these really important relationships in our life that require discipline. And then lastly, Psalms 103, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. So we are meant to model the compassion of God, and that word for compassion in Hebrew is rahamim. It's the same. It comes from the same root word raham, which is the womb of the mother. That we're supposed to kind of have this, you know, encouraging environment that cultivates growth and safety for our children. And so, I think I read all of that, and I recognize, like, as a parent, or and and you can apply this to kind of any, let's say, household. You know, regardless of your role. So if you're a daughter, a son, if you're a friend living with roommates, if you are someone who's in a relationship and you guys are thinking about getting engaged and getting married and then moving in together and creating a family, if you're single and living in community, like whatever it is, God needs to be first. And there needs to be some kind of structure to the way that you live. Like you can't just have like this boundless living situation where kind of any spiritual attack can come in and there's no support system for you to grow in your faith. Like, we need to be intentional about our faith in every facet of our lives. And so maybe that involves, like, having a space in which you pray as a family, individually, you know, whatever it is. Um, having a space that's dedicated to the Lord. So, And then modeling that, like, establishing a structure and a routine, a rhythm of prayer in your relationships and your family. Um, that is really what's going to help, especially children learn that. They learn really well with like rhythms and routines. They learn really well with tactile things and symbols when they're young. And so being able to, I mean, Catholicism is built for kids. If you like, if you tap into the rich symbolic 
and very tangible tradition of Catholicism because we, we've historically used so many different symbols and analogies to try and convey God because God is intangible, and that's what makes it real and physical for people. That's why the sacraments all have like tangible signs, a candle, a cloth, water, wine, bread, etc. So that's something that's so good, and you can do that in your own home. You can make it very tangible and tactile. Um, making sure that God is first, having some kind of structure and discipline, recognizing your role and taking it seriously. Um, and then when it comes to discipline and structure, not to let that lead to anger or resentment or bitterness from either or any party, but that it's always identified with that sacrificial love and compassion. Like we're doing this for a purpose that's going to bring us together in love. And when I think about compassion, you know, in the family, I think about the gospel that we just had a few weeks ago of the prodigal son. And in Luke 15, 20, it says like the prodigal sons rehearsed this speech and he comes home. And while he was still a long way off, the father catches sight of him and he runs to him and embraces him. And he embraces him before asking or waiting to hear the explanation, the conversation, the speech that the son rehearsed. He embraces him first. And I found just as like a practical parenting hack for myself that when my kids are just not listening, when they're having an emotional breakdown, when I'm really struggling with like, how am I going to teach them this or discipline them from what they're doing. Sometimes just the best thing for me to do first is just to scoop them up and just, you know, hold them, tell them I love them because they often know like, you know, when Hannah's done something wrong and I'm like, all right, come here. And, you know, I'll, I'll scoop her up and be like, all right, you know, we need to talk about this. She knows immediately, like she just breaks down. She's just like so sad that she like did something wrong um, or that needs to be like corrected, you know, uh, even though she knows she shouldn't have done it, you know, so that can that can often bring out this kind of, I don't know, need for correction or this recognition on their part that like, yeah, that was wrong and I'm sorry in a very compassionate environment where forgiveness can be felt and love can be felt versus like, don't do that. Go to your room, go sit in timeout. And and I'm a, I'm a believer in timeout. I think it helps. I think it helps teach them, you know, that um, actions have consequences. And uh, the more you establish a rhythm or a pattern in their brain that if I do this, I get an unfavorable outcome, then they're just going to stop doing that. You know, um, if it results in some really big emotional outburst where they're clearly trying to communicate something they don't know how, then maybe there's something there that says like, you know, they're, they're doing this because of an underlying reason. And so you really need to pay attention to that reason. And so, I don't know, this was all on my heart, and I think it's just beneficial. You know, I know a lot of you listening don't have kids or maybe aren't married, um, but I think this is super helpful for all of our relationships because in all of our relationships, we need some kind of structure and, like, moral boundary. We need God to be at the center of them. We need to be disciplined in our relationships and have, you know, ways in which God is using them and working in them. And we have to recognize our role and be putting forth effort in sacrificial love in service of that relationship. And we also have to recognize where we need to extend compassion. You know, am I, do I have this relationship because it's very self-serving or am I really thinking about how I can love this person well? And I think that applies to all of these different things. There's so many other tips about how to just like parent in certain situations. And I'm not, you know, a child development expert or, you know, parenting expert by any means. There's so many Catholic resources, non-Catholic resources, you know, uh, parenting Instagram accounts to follow, you know, so... If you're interested in any of that, I can, you know, share with you a few that, that I have. I don't have them on hand to recommend to you. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of great books coming out, too, about the domestic church and living liturgically. 
Um, I know the guys over at the Catholic Man Show um, just um, just co-authored one with their wives. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. But I think if that stuff stays at the center of our families, of our relationships, um, whether you're a parent or you know just someone involved in community or in your own family in a different role, um, that can really allow the grace of God to to come in. And it's a good kind of uh, litmus test for like, am I even allowing God into this? Is God just kind of like something that's just me and him? Or is he really seeping in and anointing all of these relationships? Or do I have certain walls or obstacles that are preventing me from even inviting him in? Like, this is kind of my like, I don't know, safe God-free space where I can just be my real self. And because that is like a whole lie from the evil one that you can't be your real self and integrate that with your your spiritual, the part of your of you that is spiritual, that is of God, you know, that is a son or daughter of God. That's who you really are. And so if there's a disparity or attention there, like pay attention to that because that is some, some way or place. I think the evil one can really tempt us and make us feel like faith is a burden. And eventually I can kind of take that mask off in my comfortable spaces. It's like, no, it should really be the opposite of that. Like the burden really is when we have the mask on of like, I have to be a certain way in front of other people. And that faith is a burden that I can't carry with me into all these different areas of life. But my real self is really carrying that authentically into every place I go, every relationship, and allowing it to bless and grow and bless others. So anyway, I don't know if that's helpful to you. It's helpful for me to just talk it out and think about it and be reminded that like leading with love and compassion is always better. Um, and that applies to so many situations in life. Uh, I can't even tell you. So um, yeah. Uh, I'm also very excited that I'm going to title this episode, uh, who is your daddy and what does he do? Which is one of my favorite lines from Arnold Schwarzenegger when he was in kindergarten cop. So yeah, if you didn't know, that's why it's called this. And you were like, that's kind of a creepy, weird sounding title. Uh, that's why. Anyway, great to be with you all. That's all I have for you this week. Until next time, I'll see you in the Eucharist. God bless.